Hi, everybody, and welcome to Mecha Dragon, a podcast about all the geeky and nerdy stuff you love. Brought to you by Captain Geek and the Dark Nerd. I'm your Captain Will. And I'm your nerd, Jess. Welcome. Yes, today we are talking more Star Wars, and we are joined by uh, two special guests today. We have, in no particular order, Clay from the Two Dads Review podcast. Welcome, Clay. Thank you for having me. It is great to have you here. And we also have today Mike from the Boston Harbor Horror Podcast. Great to have you here, Mike. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Great. It's good to have you here. Uh, We're going to have a lot of fun because today's topic is specifically we are going to be pitching new live action Star Wars shows that we would love to see on Disney Plus or really any channel for that matter. But, you know, these (laughs) days it's going to be Disney Plus. It's probably going to be owned by Disney. (laughs) Yeah. So basically here we have some ideas about some new Star Wars shows that we would love to see made. And let's just get right to it, shall we? But before we do that, uh, actually, I want to just give our listeners a sense of maybe our Star Wars, you know, particular tastes and where we're coming from. So I want to ask everybody, what is your favorite Star Wars movie? I'm not talking about any of the, like, animated shows or, you know, comic books or novels or anything like that, just like the Star Wars movies. And that would include, you know, the, like, the spinoff movies of, like, Rogue One and Solo and stuff uh if i'm not sure that that's anybody's favorite but i'm just saying those are in the pot so let's start with um clay what's what's your favorite star wars movie okay so i'm going with the sunday school answer and i'm gonna have to go with star wars the original the new hope episode four uh especially when it comes to the what they did to film that movie and because cg wasn't even Mm -hmm. a thing back then and the way it came together and just the vision that it started is it was groundbreaking. Just, absolutely. And just to watch behind the scenes stuff on how they did what they did for that movie. And all, honestly, the first three, it's it's just amazing. And it started trilogy. all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sure so did. That has to be my, my, my first choice. There are pieces of all the other movies that have come out that are my favorite, but that has to be the overall yeah. one. Good answer. Good answer. Why don't we go with Jess? What's, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? Uh, I was going to go uh, with A New Hope as well, just because... You know, the movie's one year older than I am. And I grew up not only, uh, like you mentioned, what they went through to make that movie, but it's like we were there watching that cinematic history happen when we were real young. And it was just just instilled a sense of wonder. And that's when I became a Star Wars fan was the first time I watched that first Star Wars movie. And it's it was just a lot of great memories. And I think a second runner-up would be Rogue One, because that gave us some background to the beginning of the whole history that I fell in love with as a young child. Okay, great. Mike, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? For me, at this stage, it's kind of a toss-up between Return of the Jedi and Rogue One, just Mm. because of all the different elements that came into Return of the Jedi. I know most people hate the Ewoks. I don't disagree. (laughs) Um, I don't hate I don't disagree much, I should say. (laughs) I see, Um, okay. Because the older, as I've gotten older, and kind of looking at it more critically, you know, everybody's like, oh, the Ewoks, Ewoks. And I'm like, wait a minute. What were they going after that? Like, because, you know, when the Rebels enlisted their help, they had all this stuff already set up. There's no way that they rigged all of those giant traps taking out ATSTs just oh we could just 
throw that up in five, ten minutes, maybe a night. You know, they're hunting something that's greater in size. You know what I mean? Right. So, on the flip side, Rogue One, just the way the story was written, the way that it wasn't like this revolving around this one family that decides to f up the galaxy, essentially, because that's what the core movies have all become is how this one family has ruined the universe. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, just the fact that it was like it was like a war movie, it was mm-hmm. an espionage movie, it was like a James Bond movie all set in the Star Wars universe. So right. it was like yeah, a lot of a lot it. of my favorite genres going back all rolled into like the coolest most imaginative universe in my personal opinion. Yeah. You know, just the fact of how you explain that makes me want to do another episode where we just talk <laughs> about like Rogue One and the other spin-off <laughs> movies. So yeah. Well, I think, think about the one. end the end of Rogue One was just Fantastic! Like, oh, you saw seamless. How the whole plan it was so appropriate together. for a war movie, you know. Yeah, it was. It was great. It was just a. It was a different type of Star Wars movie, and it felt different. And it, it, that's why I've had it as a runner-up. But I still just got to give props to New Hope because that's what started my particular Star Wars fetish. Yeah. And let's face yeah. it. Even bringing in the last few seconds of seeing what Darth Vader could actually do. Oh, that was oh, amazing. Yes. Yeah. Those, I know you I said don't that. mention the Skywalkers, but you have to say that scene with Vader. <laughs> oh, no, it was dope. Oh, it was, it was great. Fantastic. It was absolutely great. Yeah. So for me, I, I would have to say that my favorite Star Wars movie, I mean, and it is kind of tough, actually, because I do really love um, a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but I, I would have to say that Empire Strikes Back is still probably my favorite Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Um it's tough, though, because I really like the other OG um, trilogy movies a lot, a mm-hmm. lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And I even like, and I expect there may be some people on this podcast that will disagree with me, but I also really love The Last Jedi. So, but that's that's me. But again, that one is not in my top spot, <laughs> Empire is. So. Right. so now that we're warmed up, let's get right into it. Okay, guys, so uh, why don't we start with Mike? Can sure. you... Pitch us one uh, one of your uh, ideas for a new live action Star Wars show, and start with your like elevator pitch or just quick you know summary, and then we'll expand from there. So give it. So to do us. you want you want like my original idea, or do you want like my expanded universe suggestion? Uh, either one. Either okay. One. Uh, well, I'll 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 bring it in softly with uh with the with an EU that actually could work, considering okay. that it's it would still be considered canon because of all the peripherals that came out of it was essentially the shadows of the empire novel. I think that would could make a really great mini series because it happens in between the movies, you know, so Mm -hmm. it happens between empire and uh, return of the Jedi. It has a little bit more of what's going on, like on the politics side of things for, you know, for an older audience to understand, Mm -hmm. you know, the conflict between Shizor and Vader how they're kind of vying for the Emperor's favor. It starts to show a little bit more of Vader's waveringness once he realizes Luke's his son. You know, spoiler alert in case anyone's listening who doesn't know that <laughs> Right, right. Um, I don't know who would be listening to this episode if they hadn't uh, seen those ones, but yes, continue. Yeah. Oh, and, and by then, the way, uh, for, sure. for listeners who may not have read those books, can you give us just a quick synopsis of generally what it's about and who the, the major characters involved are? So it... Involves the heroes of Yavin, which is, you know, Leia, Luke, Lando, Chewie, 
R2 and 3PO. Um, it takes place in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, and it deals primarily with them trying to find out where Boba Fett took Han Solo after freezing him in carbonite. So it gets it, it and on on one end of it, it's their search for that and kind of really starts getting into the criminal underbelly of the way the galaxy works, you know, beneath the surface. That and sounds then, interesting. And then on the flip side, it also has this like political power play going on between uh, Prince Shizor, who is, you know, a, a, a big time aristocrat. He's a uh, he's royalty from an alien planet, and he's one of the few alien species that's in the Emperor's inner circle. Mm. And he has a burning hatred for Vader, and does all the subterfuge <laughs> and behind the scenes stuff to try to tear down Vader's favor with the Emperor. So they're kind of like going at each other, but you know, again, more behind the scenes you know, shadowy type of stuff. And since um, since the book was written, there was action figures and other toys that came out during that time frame. I believe it was in the mid to late 90s because I think it was trying to gear up for the special edition releases. Mm. And there was a, uh, I believe it was a Super Nintendo game. The Super cool. Nintendo or Nintendo 64 um, uh, game that came with that came out as well. So it's something that's already recognized. It's been picked up by Lucasfilm. And there's there's stuff that exists out there, which is a real big outlier considering that Disney decided to slice all of the EU stuff completely right. out of the uh, mainstream. They call it yeah. like Legends now, I think, right? Yeah, right. something like that. So, so in this vision of the show that you have, would it center on like Luke and Leia and them tracking down Boba Fett and what he did with Han, or would it would it involve different? central characters with maybe them bumping into the original trio and uh, th those characters sometimes. I think taking it from a perspective of where, you know, there's the, there's the focus on the heroes of Yavin and what they're doing. And then there's a, a shift in focus because they do intersect because I mm -hmm. believe there's another encounter between Vader and Luke at some point throughout the book. It's been a while since I've read it. Mm -hmm. And I know they end up going toe to toe with uh, Prince Shizor as well. Uh, trying to find Han, so they you know there's lots of galaxy bouncing around, so it would I think it might be more on the mature side of it. Um, I mm -hmm. don't think it would be as because there's going to be a lot of it would be like very dark and gritty in comparison to like the base trilogy was and mm -hmm. some of the other TV shows that have come out. Interesting. So if they were going to make it live action, they'd have to like de-age everybody, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, but here's the thing: is I mean, you guys might hate me for this, but I really liked Solo, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but I really liked the actor that they chose to play Han, and and Lando. Holy crap, oh, that yeah. was amazing! I thought it was a really great movie. I I viewed it I viewed it as a heist movie that took place in the Star Wars universe, just like. Um, just like you look at Rogue One as a military or a, an espionage mm -hmm. movie that takes place in the Star Wars universe, mm -hmm. as opposed to the, the the big wow and wonder of an actual like quote unquote Star Wars space opera film. Yeah, right. Oh, I definitely don't hate you for loving that movie. I really enjoyed that <laughs> movie. Um, I thought Alden Ehrenrich, who who played Han Solo, did fine. I just the point that I made, I think, on our previous podcast was it's it's like it's hard to follow 
uh, Harrison Ford in a role. You know what I'm right. saying? Because he's just so good. Yeah. But I thought Donald Glover was inspired choice for Lando. Like, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Perfect, right? So you're saying basically they could recast those roles as people of the appropriate age to make it work is what you're saying, right? Exactly. I think okay. that if you just, you know, you know, you try to bring back, uh, what was the actor's name? I just, it was very Alden. complicated. Aaron Reich. Alden. Bring him mm-hmm. back for Solo. Uh, I'm sure we could find someone to, to try to step into the role of Carrie Fisher. And the same thing with uh, with Mark Hamill for Luke. Um, Chewie's easy. The know, droids think, are easy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if cast well, Anthony Daniels. Oh, my God. You know who looks exactly out. like a young Mark Hamill? Oh, God. What's his name? Um, hold on. What's he in? He's um, he's the Winter Soldier from uh, the Captain from the Marvel. Oh, movie. yeah. Oh, he looks exactly like Mark Hamill. Like I saw like a side by side comparison where they put like the blonde mop of hair on his head. <laughs> they like photoshopped it and on. And now I'm 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 imagining that, and I'm right there with you. Yeah, it's, I, I have to look up his name now. Got Sebastian it. Stan. Sebastian, Sebastian Stan. Stan. Thank Stan. you. Right. I, I don't know why I couldn't think of that, but that that would be. I would watch that. If they cast him, he looks enough like Luke that I think that could actually work. You couldn't remember it because it's like his last yeah. name came first and his first name came last. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. So that's interesting. So would it be following on the Rebel side, them searching for what happened to Han, right? And on the and this obviously takes place between Empire and uh, the Return of the Jedi, which yeah. is a dark period, to be fair. So maybe it would be appropriate that it would be a more like a darker tone of a show than the than the than those movies, right? Yeah, I think it would. As far as like the presentation, like I'm I'm not a film major. I don't I don't know enough about movie making and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. say if I was to look at it from like the po- like an audio drama perspective, is mm-hmm. I would I would do some of the I wouldn't say timeline toying the way that like Quentin Tarantino does. But almost kind of the way that Game of Thrones did it, where, you know, you'd have, you know, an episode or two that deals with what the heroes of Yavin are doing and then shift gears and have Mm -hmm. a transition for an episode or two of what's going on with the Emperor and Vader and Shizor. Well, yeah, you're just because basically there are a, a kind of a large number of main characters Right, you have Luke, mm-hmm. you have Leia, you have you know the droids, you have uh, maybe L- Lando helping them. You have, and then on the other side, you have what like the Emperor and Vader, and who's the who's the guy that hates Vader that you mentioned? Uh, Prince Shizor. And it, that's Prince Shizor. Yeah. So that sounds that would be cool. I mean, I would I would totally watch that show. So then, what would be the thing that the the um, the Imperial characters are pursuing? Like, like what, like what, and during this time, like what is Vader and Shizor and the Emperor and those characters focused on in terms of their goal? So the Emperor is actually continuously pitting Vader and Shizor against each other. Mm. So there's a lot of like political manipulation that he's doing between those two. Uh, Vader's still concentrating his search for Skywalker and Shizor finds out about that and he doesn't quite make the connection between the whole father-son deal at first. At least I don't mm-hmm. think he does. But he realizes that this has become like Vader's thing. So his purpose is now, oh, I'm going to grab Skywalker for you know, and bring him to the Emperor. That way it's going to piss off Vader 
So he's not going to be happy about it. It's going to ruin his day. And it's also going to raise him up in the Emperor's eyes and then drop Vader below. That's awesome. So, okay. So, and obviously this is a series of books that you could go out and read if you haven't read it. Um, uh, it's just one. Now, oh, it's just one. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's one. Ju- Thanks. It's just one. So what is it that excites you the most about uh, if this became a show? For the longest time now, like, I mean, I, I, I cre- I've decided to, with zero experience whatsoever, create a horror audio drama. So Dark mm-hmm. Side of Things has always been kind of my bag. Okay. Um, and even when I started playing uh, the, the Star Wars role-playing game when I was 12, um, I would start running campaigns that were not always like, okay, you're rebel soldiers or you're a major part of the rebellion. I always was really fascinated how, in comparison to Star Trek, that there there was a lot of mention of the criminal underworld and average Joe type of people that you see in Star Wars that you didn't see so much of in Star Trek, at least not at first. You know, because again, I, I mean, I grew up in the 80s, so most of my sci-fi watching was the Star Wars films, the original trilogy, and then mm-hmm. the original Star Trek series. You know, so this is pre-Next Generation. And then mm-hmm. I started getting into Next Generation later on. Mm-hmm. So the fact that, the, you know, things in Star Wars would break, they were grimy, they were dirty, they seemed, it, it seemed like a universe that was lived in. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then, you know, just the criminal element with Jabba the Hutt and bounty hunters like Boba Fett and IG-88, you know, bringing that all back together and kind of going back and forth and showing how low the rebels had to go because of how because one of the a, a main character that appears just for this book is another smuggler that used to know solo named Dash Rendar. Hmm. And hmm. he's got his own ship, the Outrider, that they end up utilizing at some point. But again, he's a smuggler. So hmm. the, it shows that our main heroes like really having to lower themselves and get into elements of society that we're not really used to seeing them in until mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi when they show up at Jabba's palace. Right. But by that point, you know, Luke's all, you know, decked in with his, you know, black priest suit and new lightsaber <laughs> and everything else. So that's that's great. That's another great thing about the whole Star Wars setting, right? Is that there's so many places where you could dig deeper that you know that the movies haven't necessarily delved in depth into that so I, I really love that about it yeah okay well let's pitch another idea so uh jess why don't you why don't you pitch us one of your ideas for uh, a new star uh, wars mine isn't show? quite as my well, first one isn't quite as uh, precise it's more of a general generalization um i want to go back even further in time to like the beginnings of the force you know, like, Ooh. like where the force came from, how it was discovered, you know, so like it's, the not first like every, it's not like everyone in the universe. Like... Yeah, it's not like everyone in the whole galaxy just suddenly, oh, now there's this thing called the force that we can use. I want to see it from its its beginnings. I want to I want to learn how the kyber crystals were discovered and how the first light, you know, lightsabers are made. It's like uh, on the computer games, the old Knights of the Old Republic. You start off as you're just like in training. And you just do your quests and do your missions and get your kyber crystals. And then you can kind of choose which direction you're going to go in the force. And I think something like that in a live action would be cool. But especially I want to learn more about the history of the force. Especially now with uh, the Mandalorian, with Baby Yoda. 
who's just a baby, he's 50 years old, but can use the Force, <laughs> and we're assuming he doesn't have training, is his race... Well, you're assuming that. I'm assuming a lot of things, and I do it loudly, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, did it did it come from their race? Are they just genetically predisposed to have powers over the Force that other races need to be trained in? Mm-hmm. That would be so interesting. So, like, in this idea of the beginnings of the Force, would this be literally, like, before the Jedi even existed? Or would it be, like, the beginning of the... Because the Jedi and the Sith, you know, basically didn't really exist until the Force did. You know, because the Jedi are the light, the Sith are the dark. My assumption's been that the Force has, like, always been there since the beginning of time, but maybe, like, it took a while for people to learn what it was and how to harness it effectively and things like that. So maybe, so this is suggesting to me, like, a time when people were first learning how to, like, really I would, use I want to see the Star Wars caveman come out okay, of his cave and, you know, find, what's this do? And then caveman he grinds up Jedi. and smokes it. And, the equivalent oh, of a lightsaber a club. Yeah. <laughs> Might be, you know what, might be interesting. Do you have, like, specific ideas about what characters would be involved in, oh, like, any man. particular? Because this know. is, like, uh, the possibilities are blooming in my mind. Like, what if we have the, the caveman person come out and he's he's some kind of force prodigy and he's learning how to, like, do stuff. But then, you know, some some alien troops come down and, like, like kidnap him and take him to the stars and you know some some whole thing gets yeah done. the what? guy from the history channel lands he goes it's aliens and you know <laughs> that's what happened but no um in star wars they're all aliens but no i just think <laughs> is it a mystical fount somewhere like in avatar where mm-hmm. the power comes from one certain place or is it you know it can't just be if you had to if you had to say like what type of genre it would be would it be like a a, a fantasy would it be a fairy tale would it be uh, like a coming of age thing would it be um like i a, think it would be like an adventure mystery like an indiana jones sort of thing okay. i like that idea yeah star like an anthropological study <laughs> indiana jones <laughs> yeah it's like they stumbled upon it you know and then you know it like shot their shot its powers into one person or i don't know how how it would go but just, so, so I, I want to get, you can go I get Clay's thoughts on this concept and then Mike's. Hmm. Let's see. So you're talking almost like, are you talking like we, we, we roll into like a cave and find like cave drawings, like the well, first folks who found the force? It doesn't have to. It's not like it has to be a Neanderthal cave thing. It's just the force came from somewhere. It's not like people always knew how to use it. There had to be a, a, an origin to it where someone learned how to control it. Right, so the Force was always there, just no one... You want to see the first folks who learned how to harness it. Or maybe it wasn't always there. Maybe something happened. Also true. I like the idea of it. I I would definitely watch that. Because as far as Star Wars lore, you can't get more lore than that. (laughs) You know? Yeah, Mike, what are your thoughts on this? That's the one thing I like about uh, The Mandalorian Mm. and Rogue One and all the other... uh, stuff that they have planned because it gives you a different look at the star wars universe that we haven't been given on screen right you know you had lots of books and other media like the cartoons and stuff and i'll admit i haven't watched any of them i've only watched the movies and the shows it's been out there and i haven't read the books and i'm probably a failure because of that 
But <laughs> nah. <laughs> as far as putting that stuff on screen, that's something that I think would be cool to see. Because putting it on a screen opens it up to a vast majority of, you know, your average it's a bigger Star Wars fan. audience. Yeah. yeah, bigger audience in general. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this concept, Mike? So, number one, Jess, I will not chastise you for not watching or not reading any <laughs> EU stuff because a lot of the EU stuff was is very hit or miss. I was lucky. I was kind of coached along because I have an older brother and sister that are just under 10 years older than I am. So they were both alive and cognitive when the first Star Wars movies came out and then when the, Star- <laughs> when the books came out. And they're like, oh, you got to read this one. Or you got to read that one. So wow. I developed my taste through that because there's a lot of garbage out there. There's a lot of hot garbage that was put under the Star Wars <laughs> name when it came to like books right. and, and whatnot. I would definitely recommend watching the TV shows. The Clone Wars TV shows, I think, read... I mean, I'm not going to go off on a little bit of a tangent. I'll try to keep it short. The Clone Wars series, I think, redeemed the prequel trilogy and kind of hmm. helped helped me view it in a different light because yeah. of how well written it was, how well producted, produced it was, and how well acted it was. I firmly believe you grab Matt Lanter and you just film him in all of the Anakin scenes throughout episodes two and three and replace him with Hayden Christensen, you would, you would make the movies even better than they are now. That's the voice actor for Anakin in the show yes, is what yes, you're saying. Sorry, yeah. my bad. Oh, okay. I, should, I should have specified that. As far as your suggestion, I think that would be awesome. You know, see like the development from whether it was like was it a shamanistic process, uh, you know, practice that was similar to like you know Native Americans or other indigenous peoples, you know, a- around the world. Like, what was it like an alien version of that? Say like you right. know, the Yoda species or one Avatar. of the other inherently force using um, alien races that are out there. You know, how they started using the force, like, was it via ritual or was it this, was it that? Seeing that development into what eventually becomes the, you know, the Order of the Jedi, because you know it started out as a religion of some sort. Right, and that's what's one thing that, this was uh, the idea that popped in my head, was specifically because of the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda. Because he has control of the force. Like I said, he's not been trained, assume, you know, allegedly. So... It could be that the the force originates with a certain race, and they yeah. were able to teach others how to wield it. So Interesting. It, hmm. it's not like you know we're on Earth and an alien spaceship crashes and the aliens teach us because here everyone can travel everywhere, you know. So it had to come from one race, and why that race? Did something happen in the past of that race on their home planet that gave them the force? I don't know. These are int- really intriguing questions. And again, this is another show that I would definitely tune into. <laughs> oh, heck yeah, man. Yeah. So now I want to hear Clay's first pitch uh, for uh, for a Star Wars show. Okay, let me see if I can follow that. So I watch all of my stuff on TV because I have three kids with these <laughs> subtitles on. So I can just, because <laughs> yeah. I can't turn it up loud enough to over to, to be over their volume level. Right. So what I've noticed in my rewatch before next Friday, which will be the release of the last of the tri- of the final mm-hmm. trilogy, uh, is that unless it's someone like Chewie or the droids or a specific race that already has a clicking language of some sort, everybody else speaks Hatties. And we've been alluded to in the prequels and, of course, in 
Return of the Jedi, the the huts and their their gangster style, their how much do they control? I kind of want to see a show about about that whole how that came to be, how the huts, what the whole huts, how their hierarchy works, what their day to day is, what their mm-hmm. who they're taking over, almost in like a and I and I don't want to sound you know, almost in a Godfather style. Like where you have the head of the household and his minions and what they're doing day to day, who they're, you know, what turf wars or what, you know, all that. I kind of want to see that. Yeah. Because you're big and fat and don't do anything. So there's a bunch of guys who do a lot of good stuff for you because you are still in power. And every whale on every planet speaks Huttese if they don't have their own dedicated language in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I'm surprised we haven't seen a hut yet in The Mandalorian. So it'd be With like the, the equivalent of like a Star Wars mobster movie or yes. Star Wars mobster show. <laughs> like that would yeah. be the Godfather, dope. Goodfellas, Sopranos. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, Sopranos, exactly. The Sopranos. And okay. then we could do something like uh, the Irishman where we get all of the top three huts together. Like the, the De Niro, <laughs> the Pacino, and the Pesci huts. And they get together <laughs> to film some fantastic show. That's that would cool. be pretty so, cool. Yeah, do you have in mind like particular uh, characters that would be like the main characters of the show? Like, would one of them be like the younger one that's not ambitious, or you know, like, do you have anything in mind? I almost hesitate to say I, I wouldn't want Jabba ended at all. I think their rule mm-hmm. is their their rule right now when he's in the game is so wide. I'd like to see something way earlier and see kind of how it started. So no, I don't have anybody like actual names, but okay. I, I don't want a name we've heard. Let's but put it like that the way. family c- sort of begins its ascent to the top type of a thing. Yeah, kind of. Oh. Yeah, how do a bunch of slugs come into power? Right <laughs> over yeah. a whole bunch of planets. Right. <laughs> That's great. That's great. And do you have any like particular um, scenes or like moments in in mind that? Like man, if the show like did that, that would be awesome. Well, I'm always, I'm always a fan of of when a a intellectual property grows with an audience. So everybody who started with Star Wars is in there, who started with the original ones, are are old enough to we could have a gritty show. So I want to mm-hmm. see some of the. I want this to be a rated M on a Disney Plus show, which they're not going <laughs> to ever do. But oh, still, yeah. I don't want to. Uh-huh. I'm I'm tired of the Star Wars universe making sure that everybody could watch it. You know, I, I want it to be something that is, you know, oh crap, we have to be on HBO because mm-hmm. of some of the mm-hmm. stuff we're going to be showing because it's, it's you're saying already... you want a more mature take is I think is what you're saying. I think with this story, there has to be mm-hmm. with it being gangster almost and Sopranos esque and yeah. Good fellas. Underbelly. Yes. That's amazing. I and it's not that. lined with cupcakes and, you know, <laughs> Cuteness. Cute yeah. little baby Yodas. Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, well, I'm going to give my first pitch. I, I have two ideas, and here's the first one. So I'm thinking, and I, I wrote a couple of notes down in case my rhythm of speech changes. You'll know why. So an epic drama in the vein of Game of Thrones, the show takes place in the Old Republic, so that's thousands of years before the original movies, with a large ensemble cast and several story arcs. One major story arc might involve, like, political power in the Republic, uh, following a web of alliances and conflict between powerful families and groups like the Jedi, the Trade Federation, you know, senators and their caucuses. Other major arcs might include, like, the Sith plotting to take power. Uh, And this could even be back during the time when there was more than two Sith at a time. 
and a and a Jedi maybe like uncovering the prophecy of the chosen one if we're talking about like main threads through the show. But basically the idea is like a Game of Thrones version of Star Wars. And I've always wanted to see something live action way back during the Old Republic when the Jedi were at their height, you know, and uh, really got to see all that. And so I think there's, in this type of a show, you would have a lot of main characters like Game of Thrones. So you might have, you you know, you might have the young Jedi and like the more veteran Jedi. You might have like, you know, a, a Sith apprentice and master. You could have like a hotshot Republic pilot, you know, an important senator and like her whole family and, uh, you know, they each have, like, different goals. And, you know, some people are trying to gain power. And others are just trying to, like, stay alive and safe. And others have, like, duty to their family or something. You said duty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, so what do you guys think of this, uh, this concept? Uh, I'm going to say right off the bat, when you were talking about the Game of Thrones thing, mm-hmm. it kind of worked into my going way back into the past because there has to be a certain point in time before it wasn't star wars it was all of these different races doing the game of thrones thing on their own planet fighting for power yeah you know before the whole interstellar travel came into to play so something like that you know you see the behind the scenes dealings and all the politics behind that in a game of thrones type of show could be totally riveting because we could get into more of the culture in the different races and the politics and find out who came to power, why they came to power. And that led to in the future, yeah. or it could be even during, you know, it would definitely be spaceships. big on, it would, it would have ample opportunity for world building. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? And the old Republic is just, I mean, I've played the Knights of the old Republic and stuff and it's just, I, I feel like there's so much opportunity to explore, you know, the setting uh, during that time. As yeah. Well. And like, honestly, as far as star Wars is concerned, it happened a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I'm not concerned at all with what's going to happen in star Wars tomorrow. I want to know what went on yesterday. You know, I want to know what led up to this. Because how can you really take Star Wars further into the future? I'm more interested in really learning everything that came before. It's almost like the Star Wars that we were given was the last chapter of the book. Right. And there's a whole book that we haven't even read yet. So that's what I'm interested in. Yeah. Clay and Mike, what are your guys' reactions to this? So... The first thing that popped into my head, and it was just it just further expanded with what Jess had said about the like the uh, uh, the going way back in time and the origins of the Force kind of thing, and then combine it with what you said. We already kind of have a blueprint with that with Dungeons and Dragons, because if you mm-hmm. think about mm. um, you think about how the Star Wars universe works, and then how the the rough overall universe works in D and D, is that you've got these two separate, um, I don't want to say genres, but these two separate universes that have essentially had the same technological level for thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, right. like, even going into a lot of the expanded universe or the pre-pre or the pre-film media that's out there, hyperdrive still exists, blaster still exists, yeah, uh, ion drives, like all that technology has been around for thousands and thousands of years. 
So we already have a blueprint with D&D. Now you just apply that same formula to Star Wars where maybe there is no Galactic Republic yet. You know, you, mm-hmm. you know, you're taking, you know, Jess's idea of, you know, discovering the Force, that could be like in you know, like the Game of Thrones folks discovering magic. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you've got like these and maybe hyperdrives in its infancy. So you've got like these clusters of star systems that have coalesced into their own governments, but oh. they're essentially futuristic fiefdoms. Right. You know, and that all of a sudden, would be amazing. This... Right. That would be amazing. I love that. Right. It's not the huge. It's like they can't get out as far to the rest of the galaxy, but there is nevertheless some like primordial hyperdrive and like a few like just a handful of systems i think is what you're saying no and since you brought it up earlier mike uh star wars has no prime directive like star trek does so it doesn't matter what level your planet's at they're gonna drop down on it and give all their tech to you so yeah you have yeah and trade you for whatever your planet has yeah like you know kyber crystals for example which is partially why i think a lot of the star wars universe looks like it's been used and just not up you know it's it's that that i think we said it earlier the uh the lived in look it's more mm-hmm. like we don't know how to do half the stuff we just know this thing does this right that's why i was going to mention that because like i said i listened to your uh episodes on the mandalorian on your podcast clay the two dads review and uh <laughs> cheap plug you you, t- <laughs> you talked about uh i think it was Corey who says i can't remember it might have been Corey. it might have been you it was it says, I hate how everything's dirty and old. <laughs> and it's like, you expect everything to be brand new. And I think you mentioned the point that, yeah, well, this is the technology that they were born with. They don't know where it came from. They don't know how it works. It's just, this is how things work. Yeah. You know. So we have droids and we have thatch huts and that's fine. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Someone has to have cement somewhere. Yeah, but it's it's a good snapshot of, like, even our current human situation, too. Like, I mean, think about how many people are carrying around the smartphones in their pocket, and you're, and but they don't know how to use a computer. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. like, the basic troubleshooting, they have no idea. Again, I would love, I would love to see that show, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so uh, let's go back to Mike for your second pitch. All right, so this is uh, this is going way back into the Mike G archives. So I started playing West End Games version of Star Wars role playing game when I was about twelve years old. So this is mm. D six. It's like Shadowrun yeah. with you know ten percent of the dice. Oh, I love Shadowrun. <laughs> and I ended up amassing all of these like galaxy guides and everything. And there's one of them called Fragments from the Rim. It was Galaxy Guide nine. And it was all like pockmarked, you know, and this is what really made me fell in love with this, the, the concept of, you know, the everyman type of thing where like, you know, there's, there's one chapter on it of like drinks from the Star Wars universe, like alcoholic beverages you could ask for at a bar. And then like, <laughs> you know, you know, random locations. And then like one of the big things they focused on was uh, the essentially the, the Re- rebellions version of the Navy SEALs. And they were a combination of like Navy SEALs and James Bond. And they had this whole page dedicated to like lexicon. So it's it's all this weird slang. And one of them was called, you know, one piece of slang. I, it's crazy. I still remember this. It's called the the term is just one is Star Destroyer. 
and then the definition for it is 174,000 design flaws waiting to be exploited. <laughs> so that sparked 16-year-old nice. me to come up with this idea. So I just took that term and I wrote a short story on it about a rebel spec ops group that oh. I don't know they were just, they were like low on supplies or something or somebody was captured by a star destroyer and that term was used like okay let's go let's sneak onto the star destroyer and pull our guy out or whatever it was I'd have to find the story it's floating around this house somewhere but I ended up expanding it out where you know I created you know from the from the GM side I created like the whole characters for the crew like the name of the ship was called the boring brass mine which is <laughs> you know which is a misnomer because the, in the again in the galaxy guide you know boring and brass mine mean like highly explosive and highly dangerous or something like that <laughs> so i created That's this crazy. this whole crew and it's kind of like a mishmash of aliens you know spec ops troopers but they do all sorts of like like crazy off the wall stuff like pretty much it would be a series that follows these rebel agents that get into all sorts of shenanigans that are a combination of Firefly and in the Oceans movies. Oh my god, <laughs> oh, that yeah. is amazing. <laughs> that is that is amazing. Wow. Special Ops. Okay, so what time period would this take place in? Uh this was this would be during the rebellion, but it it wouldn't okay. even even touch the Heroes of Yavin at all. It would be kind of like that's why it was one of the reasons so I really So during got the OG Star Wars trilogy, guys. Yes. And it wouldn't it wouldn't uh, intersect with the events of those movies. No, it would all be either right. outer rim or whatever crazy things that they do, you mm-hmm. know. Whether it's because the as far as like the West End stuff goes and the way that they fleshed out like the the rebel military hierarchy and stuff like that is that there were select groups of these agents that were pretty much just be like, you know what, just go and. Just go. You're capable of this. We're not going to give you any oversight because you caused too much paperwork. Just go <laughs> uh-huh. f shit up in the empire, and we'll just call it good. You know, if you need backup of any kind, let us know. So, would their mission basically be to cause as much disarray in the empire as possible with the occasional like targeted mission or something like that? Yeah, they'd be like they'd be like chaos agents. They, you know, go, it's like, oh, that wow, that Star imperial Wars, facility looks chaos really well agents. guarded. That's the so, title right there. I think there. we should fix that, you know? <laughs> I or, love it. Oh, man, that would be so awesome. Oh, you know what? That ion cannon would look great on my ship. Let's go take that real quick. <laughs> yeah, let's you know? go take it. Yeah. That's awesome. What are what are your guys' reactions to that? I think that's hilarious. <laughs> no, I love it. Chaos agents. That's awesome. Do you have any uh, – who, who in your mind would be the main – main character of the group obviously it's an ensemble right but who do you think yeah. would be like the most important main character Deadpool. so i mean some of these <laughs> names that have to be changed because i did use <laughs> some liberties from what other media i was consuming because the like the the captain of the ship is his name was crash davis mm-hmm. and that's the name of kevin costner's character in bull durham <laughs> So you kind of can't I, use that one. I don't I'm know probably. if that's copyrighted infringement, though. Or is it just an homage? Yeah, I guess. But, I, I mean, there's probably still enough people, uh, enough old people out there that would recognize the name from Bull Durham. I mean, there is a 60% chance that Disney owns Kevin Costner. And who, uh, there is so, that. And then, <laughs> right. And who would be the main villains of this show, at least in the first season, if not the whole show? 
I think they'd start making them <laughs> throughout the first season, mm-hmm. and then like by the by the end of the season, like you'd have like an imperial governor or like a destabilized okay. destab agent or uh, like imperial intelligence. You know, ooh, imperial intelligence. Just talk to be like, that... okay, these guys, this, there's this particular group that has this particular mo that's been causing a lot of problems in this sector, and we need to do something about it. I could see like one of the like intelligence analysts in that imperial division is like pouring over his files, and he's like, he's like. This stuff happened here, and then happened here, and then he puts, like, the pattern together. Yeah. Right? So he's kind of like the Empire's version of, like, Jack Ryan. (laughs) Almost. Almost. I was thinking more like the operative from Serenity. Oh, okay. Okay. Right on. You know, not quite like the Imperial Inquisitors from from Rebels. Right. Maybe not, you know, try to keep the the Jedi Sith element out of it for the most part. Cause I think only like yeah. one of the characters that I had written had uh, actually ha- was force sensitive, but it was like minor to the point where they didn't, I mean, they didn't carry a lightsaber. They didn't, it wasn't a regular part of their tool set. Oh, that is fascinating. And a couple parallels with the other idea that I had, which we'll get to at the end. <laughs> <laughs> but again, man, I'd watch the, I'd watch the hell out of that show. I'd watch the pants right off that show. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Okay, uh, Jess, did you have an, uh, a pitch for a second show? A second show uh, I came up with, again, it's going back in the past, and it's exploring one of my favorite characters that I've seen. I really like the way they handle uh, villains in Star Wars as far as the way they look and present them, but I don't really always agree with the way they're handled in the story. Case in point, General Grievous is one badass mofo. Yes. And if you look into his backstory, it's actually kind of similar to Vader's, you know, rise to power. Mm. Uh, General Grievous, let's see, let me look it up. He was uh, Kalish from the planet Kali. And he was in the military, I guess, and he just was so awesome that he rose to like a godlike status among among his own people. And he got into cahoots with the Galactic Republic, and uh, in the end, his ship had a bomb placed on it, which exploded and basically killed him, but he uh, had enough of his organs left, and that's what they put together and created the General Grievous we see in the movies, and he was actually presented as a weapon to Count Dooku. And he was trained how to use lightsabers by Count Dooku. Mm. And of course, we all know how he how he died in the movies, but then again, we also knew that about Vader. But uh, I think just his story and his rise to power, and because he... he was like a general through the Clone Wars. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. It sounds almost like it would be a tragedy, the show. Well, it is. He was, his wife was, or his love was killed. And oh, then yeah. he, uh, that's when he turned all of his, you know, powers towards towards murdering people. Would it be like a, you know, you said, you know, parallels to Vader. Would it be a situation where he starts off with like high ideals and like he wants to, you know, do something great for the world, the, you know, the galaxy or something. And then he slowly gets worn down by time and circumstance until he becomes this villain at the end. Well, what it was, he was just 
I guess in the military and he was just so skilled that he was just like racking up all sorts of kills. And he was like one of the best soldiers ever. And he actually met a female Kalish who was a master with the sword. And he fell in love with her. And that's where he got his sword skills from. And then she died at the hands of the Huck. So I'm not sure exactly who the Huck are. It sounds super tragic. Yeah, it is. And then, I mean, his he basically is a warrior fighting for his clan. And he's one of the best. And they revere him as such. And he falls in love with someone who teaches him more skills. And he gets even stronger. And then she dies. And that's when he, after she died, he renamed himself Grievous. Ooh. And aimed all of his anger towards the race that had killed his wife, or his love, nice. the Huck. And then uh, he, the Huck turned to the Galactic Republic, and the Kalish were forced back. And that's when they blew up his ship and rebuilt him as the cyborg, General Grievous. And he was presented to Count Dooku. And when I first saw General Grievous on screen, you know, in the second trilogy, I guess, I was like, whoa, that guy is cool as hell. Yeah. And he was. He was just, he throws his cape back and he's got four lightsabers. And it's like, that's a force to be reckoned with. And then you realize he's just like a brain and a heart inside a robot body. <laughs> and it's like, how did he get there? With emphysema. And there's a, that's where I get a lot of the similarities between him and yeah. uh, Vader. That is a fascinating backstory. Oh, and, and just a little bit of trivia. You know how in the, um, in the movie he's like coughing all the time? Mm-hmm. They actually recorded uh, George Lucas coughing when he was like super sick. Uh, oh, really? That sound. <laughs> no, <Yeah. I> <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, yeah, that's Had a bit of the consumption going on, did he? Yeah. (laughs) I've always loved, like, uh, Darth Maul is another fantastic villain. I'd love to see his backstory. Because they make Darth Maul, he shows up on screen, and you're like, oh, shit, this is going to get deep real quick. And then five minutes later, he's dead. And it's uh, (laughs) General Grievous. Well, cut in half. General Grievous lasted 15 minutes. But it's like, I'm, like I said, I'm more interested in the backstory. I'm more interested in learning about why we are where we are. And as far as General Grievous is concerned, he is badass in the end. But he also started his story as a badass. And that's how he got to where he is. And I think that would make a great uh, show to see unfold on screen. That's amazing. Clay and Mike, what do you guys think about this? Well, he's also... You know, he deals with Count Dooku, and you're gonna get, you're learning more about the Sith and Palpatine, uh, all that stuff. So, yeah, love it. Well, I think I think Jess hit on it right, the nail on the head. Is there's a lot of characters that we run into for a very short amount of time throughout all of the Star Wars movies yeah. and TV shows that there has been such an amazingly detailed backstory written, and you just never learn. Wish it. for those to be made. I mean, yeah, I you, also... you get to see them step off the curb and get hit by a bus. like you said i I also did enjoy solo i felt like we joke about it on our podcast that there was like a whiteboard during the writing of the show and they took every line or everything they ever said (laughs) about han solo in any of the movies and made sure they explained every single one of them in the movie and that was almost too much for me but some of these other characters they've they have such a detailed backstory that's like please just tell me that yeah Yeah. right Jess, one of the best moments for me 
have you you've seen Solo, right? Everyone's seen Solo. Yeah, I'm not yeah, gonna ruin yeah. anything. Yep. That end scene when essentially Khaleesi turns on the hollow projector and there's oh, yeah. Darth Maul. Yes. I'm like, dude. Yeah. Dude. So there might be a chance of us seeing him in the future. Yeah. There's a whole story there too. Which I think would be awesome to see that get, you know, further explained too. But as far as like your idea, like the backstory of General Grievous, I, I think that would be pretty sick, you know, because there's a lot to go with. You know, you focus on the alien aspect. It'd almost be like the Mel Gibson movie Payback with, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, less, <laughs> less snark and more unbridled rage. Right. Yeah. Which and would be a fun uh, ride. Yeah. And another thing, too, about General Grievous that I learned while uh, researching for today's episode is General Grievous survived the death that we saw him suffer oh, on no screen. Shit. I didn't, I didn't know, know that. that. Yeah, I'm going to read. I'm on the StarWarsFandom.com. At some point after General Grievous's death, his body was used to create the droid warrior N-K Necrosis, hmm? who considered himself to be the reincarnation of Grievous. However, the droid was killed shortly after his creation by several space pirates by a bus <laughs> basically it's like it's like you have such a great story you know a rise to power defeat and then a reincarnation and then defeat and then a reincarnation and oh a mosquito bit you and now you're dead because you got the play wow there is a lot of room there for more stories too yes yeah, really yeah. interesting Immensely. Could you almost do that show with Grievous and not tell us who he is until he makes that first change? Oh, oh my that god, be that'd so be amazing. Great. I think you could because he renamed himself Grievous after his lover's death. Right. True. But the problem is in, it would obviously be 2020, 2021, 2022 uh, America, how do you release that without the internet going and spoiling everything for everyone? <laughs> True. Yeah. You'd have to release it like from. But that would some be interesting country. too. Like, what if the show starts and we're following this robot, and, and you then don't you know get, who like, it is? You know, a bunch of flashbacks to his like earlier life, and then slowly, at some point, we realize, oh my god, this is Gen- you know, General Grievous and how he became who he is. That's re- that's super interesting. Um, yeah, and I, I love the story. And like I said, it's like, how come there's only one General Grievous? If that technology is around in Star Wars where there's a brain and a heart, how come there's only one dude we've seen with it? Right. You know, does that mean that anyone dies? Does that mean we're going to see Han Solo come back? All you need is a brain and a heart, baby. Careful. Careful. He could be a spider demon (laughs) robot, you know, (laughs) with six flamethrowers. Who knows? Yeah could be anything interesting so okay that that again man that would be a really cool show so clay what's your what's your next pitch all right here we go so we've gone all dark and gritty the whole time so i'm going to try to light it up just a little bit (laughs) okay Okay. here's what's going to happen so you have the galactic empire let's 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 do it at the height of their power okay the rebel alliance is fledgling and the the galactic empire is is just rolling through now I want you to take the hierarchy of the Galactic Empire and I want you to go to the very bottom row of that. <laughs> I want there to be one guy, he's the main character, and just, he, okay, there has to be, they were employing millions and millions and millions of people. 
they can't all be assholes. Right. So <laughs> I want this guy to just be a normal dude who has to make money and support his family. Yeah. And I want it, it could almost be, it, I would, it would probably have to be dark comedy because, you know, he would have mm-hmm. to be walking that line and, and maybe asked to do some things that he's not okay with, but he'd have to yeah. either A, justify doing it, or B, justify, or, or justify to his command how what he did was what they said, and if you say it more specific, <laughs> right. I'll do it better for you next time, but don't just tell me something, ble- you know, you got to right. narrow it down for me. I-, I think that could be an entertaining... Kind of passive uh, resistance in a way. You know, because I, you know, I was listening, I think I think Mike was saying it when he was talking about like guys who are actually infiltrating, there could be a whole nother, just forget what I said and say some guys who actually embedded themselves as spies inside the Empire and oh was working menial stuff, and you watch them... Walk that line of being a, you know, being on both sides. Like I have to do this to not get caught. But well, I you have could to, have I, you could have both characters in this show, right? You could have the regular dude who's just mm-hmm. a citizen of the Empire and trying to get by, and he's you know maybe not comfortable with some of the a lot of the things that the Empire is doing. But like he's regular dude, like he's not a Jedi, he's not a badass. He's just do, trying to do his job and maybe pushing back where he can. And then on the other hand, you have this like embedded agent right Mm -hmm. who maybe he encounters at some point gets involved with and wow that like the possible i know that there's a great story idea when like suddenly the possibilities like explode in my mind that's what's happening right now (laughs) yeah because i just came up with like three while you guys were just talking about that we know disney's listening you're welcome (laughs) yeah you're welcome disney (laughs) yeah so what sorry go ahead no go mike i was gonna say what were these things that blossomed in your mind well, the first thing that popped in my head was like, you know, office space, but it in like an imperial bureaucracy. <laughs> yes. You know, something along those lines. Like um, the robot chicken episode. Yeah. Like yeah. just straight <laughs> up, just like it's like a sitcom almost, you know, and it funny. eventually. A Star Wars sitcom. Almost not quite sitcom, but more of like a comedic take on the every man in the empire would be cool. You know, so I'm definitely with you on that one, Clay. And then right. pretty much like the scene from Solo where he's in the battle and he's questioning like, but we're the bad, like all the jokes that he made during that battle where he's on the uh, ground forces like that is an entire show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or uh, was it was then a Simon Pegg movie where they were Nazis and it, the uh, Nick Frost's character is used in a meme like, are we the baddies? One of those types of situations. What movie was that? I don't yeah, know, but I just remember seeing the damn the meme. <laughs> I've watched all the Simon Pegg, Nick Frost movies because I love those two, but I don't remember them being a Nazi. I don't remember them being Nazis I know what you're either. talking about, but I can't think of it. I'm looking right now. Yeah, it's, it's there's Paul. a meme of Nick Frost wearing like it's an SS America uniform and a fuzz. caption under it that says, are, so are we the baddies? Huh. <laughs> this also reminds me show. of a show that I'm trying to look up the, the name of it right now. But it was basically, it was set in the DC Comics universe, and it was a comedy about people that worked at this R&D division of Wayne Industries that made stuff to protect people from, like, the fallout of, yeah, like, Yeah, Alan Tudyk damage. was in it. Yeah, yeah, Alan Tudyk was It was, was like, Mick Wayne or something like that. He was, like, Bruce Wayne's cousin or something like that. Powerless. Yes. Powerless. And it also had, um, God, the guy from Community. And it actually has, like, one of the best opening credit sequences i've ever seen in a television show too it's just so awesome if you guys haven't seen it at least check out the first episode but 
I love this like comedic, like low level in the empire story idea. <laughs> well, um, I, I came up with one that literally just popped into my head like three minutes ago. Mm-hmm. And it would be more in the vein of a Pixar short. You know, <laughs> okay. seven seven to nine minutes. And you know, in every Star Wars movie, they're walking through the Death Star, through here, through there, and there's always that little lunchbox droid. Oh, the mouse droid. <laughs> buzzing along the ground. And it gets, you know, they shoot at it, they kick at it, ah, get out of here. It's like a little rat. What if they did like a little Pixar short that <laughs> followed that little droid and... It's going into this room, down this hallway, into this corridor, down here, down here. And it is exposed to some of the biggest secrets. Yes. In the Star Wars. <laughs> like all the iconic scenes. Yeah. It's just like this little. I don't even know if it makes those sounds. But that would it just, be great. you just follow that little droid around and it's kicked down the hallway into uncovering. The greatest mysteries in the Star Wars universe. Well, Disney owns Pixar, too. Hey! Yeah. <laughs> hey That's a good thing they're Get listening. Get them on the phone! <laughs> Clay, did you have any other details about this uh, show idea that you uh, could share? No, I think we've hit most of the things. And yeah. to answer Mike's question, it's actually Mitchell and Webb is the name of the British duo who did the Are We the Baddies Nazi skit. Oh, okay. I swear to God that dude looks like Nick Frost. I- <laughs> I, I thought I thought Nick Frost might have been. They may be connected to it somehow. I don't well, I'm know. I'm sure but Nick yeah. Frost looks like a lot more people than Simon Pegg does. Yes, because <laughs> I kind of look like Nick Frost. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> That's great. Okay. Well, I have one. Actually, more pitch. he looks like me. Well, can I, I just one throw more one pitch. more thing in there? Oh yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Will, you would mention this is a piggyback on Clay's idea, where like you know them being like a passive resistor type of thing within their element of the imperial bureaucracy. What uh-huh. if it was a comedy where there's an implanted rebel agent in there, but he's trying to work his way up, so he starts out that menial thing, and like one of his coworkers is like a staunchly pro-imperial and shows that like that molding uh. and that changing, but also having the comedic element of they're both like you know secretaries to a lawyer or something. <laughs> right. Or, right. Uh, <laughs> Better call Saul. They're working at this in a supply chain for the military industrial complex. They're so, cogs in the wheel. Yeah, they yeah. just fill out paperwork to request parts and supplies and something like that. And then he starts finding out <laughs> right, his right. best friend's a rebel agent. And he's like, but I don't want to turn him in. Like, crap. Right, right. So he like he fudges a number on the spreadsheet, you know, which is his first step into trouble, and then it spirals out of control, yeah. and then he teams up with the the imperial agent to like help not get caught, and it turns into this whole other thing. Oh, there's also if, like echoes like the of Clone uh, Wars. What if the Clone Wars started from misfiled paperwork? <laughs> it'd be like a scene from Brazil or something. Or <laughs> there, it, it also feels like you could draw on like chuck a little bit for this you know like i see some echoes of a show like chuck in there maybe just a tiny bit love that show um yeah okay that's yeah. that's great stuff guys okay i so have here's... uh one more <laughs> pitch that i uh like i came into this episode going i don't know i can't pitch a show i don't know what i'm talking about and now i have a fourth yeah, yeah. <laughs> go, go for it <laughs> go for it as we were talking about the huts earlier and all of the seedy underworld stuff and the bounty hunters and the Mandalorian, how cool would it be to have a Star Wars show similar to like True Detective? 
where each season followed like a different bounty hunter and they could be good they could be evil depends on the season Mm. but you get each season is its own story and it would be perfect if someone had thought of that a couple years ago then the mandalorian would be season one of this new show yeah but because i don't see mandalorian they're not going to wrap up anything this season the mandalorian's a western it is a space western. So mm. you're talking more about a detective show, which I think would Crime be awesome. Crime procedural. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the thing. It could be a different, you know, they're not all following the same, you know, cookie cutter layout. Mm-hmm. But no, I think uh, kind of a true detective thing where each season is, uh, to coin a phrase uh, that I heard on a podcast called Two Dads Review, uh, <laughs> the bottle episode, this would be a bottle season where the season begins and ends. And you don't have to deal with that story at all anymore, but it's going to give you more insight into, you know, this race of uh, Star Wars, That's that race, all sorts of stuff. And I yeah. think an anthology type show like that would be real interesting because every season is going to be something new. Well, if they can do an entire show where the main character never removes his helmet, I think they can do one where the main character is an alien. Yeah. That seems uh that seems or a slug. Or, or, a slug. or a slug Star perhaps. Wars S V U. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> High procedural. True bounty hunter. Yeah. That's But really no, cool. I, I think that would be something cool and that was just something that popped into my head. No, that's uh, great. During that's, that's excellent. The episode. So my last uh pitch idea has a couple elements in common with I think the one of them that Mike pitched. Uh maybe it was Clay, but here it is. In the early days of the New Republic, so maybe, you know, maybe like just a year or two after the fall of the Empire, uh, not long after the fall of the Empire, a group of smugglers take high-stakes jobs to pay off their debt to a dangerous mobster while trying to stay out of the crosshairs of both the New Republic and what's left of the Empire. So, you know, all of these characters wouldn't necessarily, like, start out as smugglers with their profession, but they would be drawn into, like, this heist or this first job that needed to be done for you know different reasons and you'd have you know like the ex-rebellion pilot and he's a great pilot but maybe he didn't even get to fly in the biggest missions of the rebellion because he was insubordinate or who knows you know you got the muscle some big guy with a tragic past you have like the thief who's like the heist master and a big trickster captain of the ship uh you know the mechanic and I thought it would be cool to have some character who's like a Force-sensitive person. Not a Jedi, mm-hmm. right? But a person who's Force-sensitive and perhaps discovering that they're Force-sensitive. And then villains, you would have, you know, uh, whoever the mobster is, you know, probably an enemy of the week type of thing. And then, like, authorities of both the New Republic and the Old Empire, which would be, at this point, probably more like warlords and their goons, I would think. And, you know, they are very flawed characters that come together as a kind of family. They're underdogs. You know, they're not evil either. They'll have some type of code of honor. They're not going to just indiscriminately, like, kill innocent people. But they are usually, like, on the wrong side of the law. And, you know, they'll take the highest stakes jobs because they're in deep with, you know, the mobster. I don't know if it's the Huts or, you know, somebody else, or maybe it's not even a mobster per se, but somebody that they owe, like, a lot of money to. So this is why I was saying is in common with that uh, 
that's a like elite squad idea right yeah because they're like pulling heist but they're not like elite soldiers they're like a ragtag team of like underdogs who are just trying to like stay alive and like pay off their debt so that literally like not literally every person in the galaxy is like hunting them down um (laughs) so so what do you guys think of this uh of this idea i personally i love it this is now the third potential show that's been pitched that deals with the bounty hunting thing yeah and i think we're all kind of uh influenced by the mandalorian (laughs) perhaps because (laughs) there are so many stories in that like if you're a receptionist but they're not not bounty hunters though they're more of like uh smugglers and thieves and maybe they occasionally have a bounty hunter after them but it's not really like centered right that's true but it's kind of the same thing they're it's like a bounty hunter is going to have a beer with a smuggler and a thief at a bar, and they're not going to be enemies until beep, 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 Yeah, that beep. puck goes off, and then it's like, okay. They both get into the same shizzle. Yeah. Yeah, anything, anything dealing with the transition from the end of the Empire, which probably took, you know, a, a decent amount of time for everybody mm-hmm. to final trickle off. I mean, because you see some of those remnants in the Mandalorian, yeah. the guys who you could tell used to be... Uh, oh, yeah. Empire, you know, heavy hitters, and then the rebellion, like they're figuring out, oh crap, now we have to actually lead things and <laughs> right. do government stuff. Yeah. And there could like, even any... be skirmishes still happening during this time period, you know, at the edges. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's a great time frame to pick in a show. I'm never gonna not love a good skirmish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What What are your thoughts, Mike? Honestly, the concept is. I mean, I'm a huge Firefly person, so yes, it, it's. There's definitely a lot of elements from there that you're that you're bringing into it. I like the whole like ex-military thing. You know, it's it's funny. It actually reminded me of the of the of the potential third if we had the time for it that I had come up with. <laughs> I mean, it would make for really good storytelling because I think as media consumers, you know, everybody likes the underdog story, especially on this side of the pond. You know, everybody likes the underdog. Mm-hmm. Everybody likes the ones that, you know, they don't sweep the bad guy first, you know, first time out the gate. You know, they take a bit of a beating before they're able to, you know, finally, yeah. you know, come back and overcome. So there's great storytelling in there. It would just have to be creatively written enough so it doesn't share too much with another property or another oh, yeah. established genre, you know. But still cast Nathan Fillion as your main character. Oh, yeah, of, <laughs> of course. course. Obviously. He's got to be the captain, obviously. <laughs> right. yeah. It's so funny because when I was writing my idea of, like, like things that could be, like, in the pilot episode, I literally wrote, think Serenity and Ocean's Eleven, which is exactly what you said, Mike, <laughs> Exactly. Earlier. That's why I was waiting for a pause in the conversation. But, well, we mentioned Ocean's Eleven earlier, and I think yeah. this would be perfect for that. I, I totally the smugglers did. are trained to, to you know, dupe the, uh, the security and the law enforcement and, you know, have a intricate plants yeah through. but like there's perfect. also there's also this like a uh, feeling of adventure in the show right mm-hmm. and i thought it would be like to have the force uh sensitive person in there too would allow the story to occasionally delve into the mystery of the force here and there and mm-hmm. like allow the show to explore non-jedi and non-sith groups who use the force right because yeah. those groups exist and you know and they they have different traditions and things and like i just you know the force is part of star wars uh the heart of star wars for me right and so i would want there to be like a little hint of that in the show at least 
Well, that's like you called it, the mystery of the Force, and that's kind of why I pitched my first show uh, pitch, because the Force is the Star Wars mythology. Yeah, it's the st- it's a staple. Like, you can't... Yeah, it's, a yeah, staple. it's hard to tell exactly. a Star Wars story of any kind without yeah. it being somewhere in that mix. And it is still a mystery. Well, here's yeah. a thought. You could take... You could take Will's idea and shrink the scale down, you know, so Space Western was like, you know, the whole thing with with Serenity and Firefly. But what if you were to take that same group of people, but you make them like, you know, urban smugglers in Coruscant during the time of the transition from the Empire to the the New Republic. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of ways to skate around stuff. They're going to still run into pockets of Imperial resistance, you know, Mm because now the Empire is the rebellion. They're the ones that are trying to do these, you know, either passive resistant things or, you know, trying to not quite openly rebel, but do guerrilla Mm -hmm. tactics in their home turf now. Because there's still I think a that would have to be out. a central location for a lot of the show. That, I mean, that makes so much sense in that. And Coruscant would definitely be like ground zero for all the interesting stuff happening during mm-hmm. this time period, right? Yeah. Or, you know, that has to do with the, uh, you know, the rebellion taking over as the New Republic versus the, you know, the Empire kind of withdrawing. So that's that would be amazing. Any other thoughts on this idea, guys? No. I'd, okay. Good. <laughs> I, I like everything that I've heard, yeah. and I like I said I'd. I'd add all of this to my queue in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think every single one of these shows that we have mentioned, I would watch in a heartbeat. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so much interesting stuff, and a couple like similarities here and there, but on the whole, I think all these ideas were pretty different from each other. And yeah, like you mentioned for... in the very beginning, there wasn't a whole lot of overlap. No. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean. My God, could you imagine the if they started ass- announcing these shows like to premiere in 2021? I would be like, that would keep me on Disney Plus. What yeah. can I say? Yeah, because I have every intention of owning. All, I mean, I already have almost all but the last two, the most recent film that's coming out and the previous one. I have all of them on Blu-ray already. Yeah. So same. the films I'm gonna have on hand, whether I'm paying monthly for it or not. Right. Exactly. Star Wars fans can hope that. Things go on Disney Plus the way it's doing for Star Trek on CBS, where they realize that everybody, all their subscribers came from the Star Trek fan group. Like the the fan base was most of their original <laughs> subscribers. Right. So now they have four other shows that are going to be coming on as well. So there's pretty much going to be Star Trek on all year round. So nobody does what I do and cancel my subscription yeah. when Discovery <laughs> is over. So you guys can, we can only hope for that as Star Wars fans. And that's what Disney plus realizes. Yeah. They would be wise to listen to you, Clay. See, and that's, that's another thing too. It's like, I've kind of thrown around ideas of doing a Star Wars versus Star Trek episode. And how, how do you do that? How do you I'm do game. that? It's basically is, yeah. just a fist fight in a bar yep. between 20 <laughs> nerds and 20 dorks. You know? So unification day. And I think we yeah. should do an episode like that. But I think – and we'll get into this you know, in the episode, and we can talk about this uh, off, uh, off recording. But I think that actually there's a lot of possibility for some interesting stuff in like a crossover right. Star Trek and Star Wars. So, okay. Spock is so definitely I think, a Force user. Well, have you, guys, have you guys heard that Ewan McGregor has signed up to do an Obi-Wan Kenobi series yes, on Disney+. Yes, I have Plus? read that. Yes. Yeah, right. 
Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a Kenobi show. The movie that they were talking about. Yeah. Right? I think I'm glad that they're doing it as a series instead of a movie. I, I absolutely in in today's day and age, I prefer a series. Yeah, I do too. You know, because in all the movies, well, the production like talk, value is so high for TV now. Well, right. Yeah, and and plus, it's like everyone bitches about. Oh, Avengers Endgame is such a long movie. Joker's such a long movie. Irishman is such a long movie. I want them to be three times longer. It's like if <laughs> Avengers Endgame was another hour and forty minutes, just put a uh, you know interruption. Bring back in the, intermissions. Yeah, intermission yeah. in the middle. Give I'll me go a get catheter. Some more popcorn. Yep. I will you know put money back into society, <laughs> and you know help everyone out. And I like having more story. Yes. I yeah. hate when a movie is three hours and twelve minutes long. And, uh, yeah, we cut out six minutes. What the fuck you cut out six minutes? It's already three hours and 12 minutes. Give me the six minutes! <laughs> it's like the new... The new uh, Tell us how you really feel. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the new digital version was released with an extra 20 minutes of footage. Ooh. Yes, I'm going nice. to get that because I want the 20 minutes. That's why I prefer the show uh, series formula these days because you get more story and you can learn more about the characters yes. and a lot of the things we've discussed in this episode is well i want to learn more about this i want to learn more about that and these are things that could have been covered yeah. in the story you have already told if you didn't give yourself fake time constraint just yeah. tell the whole story tell the whole story and yeah i think there's a lot of uh, potential with uh, tv shows now yeah well, Jess, I mean, I what you've just said, I think kind of explains what the general populace kind of feels with how big podcasts have become and audio drama in particular. Right. You know, where no one's going to sit for two and a half, three hours. Like, I mean, some people do. Like, there are people that really love Dan Carlin's hardcore history. And woof, <laughs> I've listened to a couple of those and it took me like a week and a half to get through it. Nevertheless, Hashtag no pod bashing. Yeah, no, I, I, that's just it. It's like, <laughs> great. It was the series he did on World War One, which I never thought much of, and I got roped into the 12 hours in three episodes that he did. Yeah. It was great. You know, Dan Carlin's an amazing guy. You know, I'd love to meet him because he does so much work on that. But anyways, the whole thing was, is like, you know, because of everything that everybody has going on, a lot of people aren't going to have time to, because, okay, yes, your movie's two and a half, three hours long. But then there's, you know, the what, 15 to 20 minutes of, okay, let's get ready to go out to the movies. And then there's the transit to said movie theater, which is normally a three-hour experience on paper mm. turns into, okay, this was an entire afternoon I went to see a film. Whereas with television, right. but then if, if, suck, huh? if you don't get your ass up off the couch to go out and see the film and buy the popcorn and the soda and sit there in a crowd and watch the movie on the big screen with 3D audio and, you know, experience it, what are you going to do instead? You're going to sit your ass on the couch till it's time to go to bed and do <laughs> nothing else at all the rest of the day. So it's like, I don't have time for a long movie. You got time for three long movies. Shut your mouth. Yeah. But on the flip side to it too with with the with the you know the, the TV show aspect of things is like, you know, with how busy people are nowadays too, so they don't have right, time. Right, the shorter episode format, that's cool. Exactly. Like sitting down and watching a 40-minute 
you know, a 40-minute show on Netflix or, you know, the, tw- the 30 minutes of Mandalorian that we Way get. easier than committing to a two-and-a-half-hour movie in one sitting. Yeah, yeah. and not to uh, hashtag bash Mandalorian, but it'd be cool <laughs> if the story actually went somewhere in that time. <laughs> and that's right. that's one thing, too. I like the sh- the show format, but, like, when there's different directors every episode... That's that's like a, every television gets, show, man. Yeah. I know, but it gets squirrely. It's like the story goes in different directions. I don't know if I don't know. What I got a kick of is I was saying this to to my buddy Boot earlier. What I found um, interesting was that the executive producer for all the episodes in The Mandalorian is um, uh, the guy John who, Favreau. John Favreau. Yeah, the guy who played Happy in all the Avengers right. movies. Right. Yes. I was yeah. like, wait, really? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, you know, he directed Iron Man and Iron Man Two, and he yeah. produced a ton of the Marvel movies, and he's he's good stuff. Yeah, that was, that's, that yeah. was impressed. So, with all that said, I think we have had a fruitful pitch session today, and we have done some brainstorming on some like really cool Star Wars shows that I would love to see. Yeah. So before we go. You know, I just want to go to each of you just real briefly with any final thoughts you have about these pitches that we've had, and then I want to give uh, Clay and Mike a chance to plug their shows uh, before we head out for this episode. So why don't we start with Clay? What are your final thoughts? Well, all the pitches were absolutely amazing. I like these ideas of the dark, gritty stuff, but I and I also think there's room for comedy in the in this universe. Yeah. So I think the way the, the amount that came out of this is amazing and it was a fantastic time and I appreciate you bringing me on. It's, it's been great to have you. Jess, what are your final thoughts? Yeah, like Clay mentioned, all of the different pitches were a lot of different genres and I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting that and before we even started recording, I was like I don't I don't feel positive. I don't feel good because <laughs> I have nothing to bring to the table and this was one of the better episodes I think we've done in a while. This was a lot of fun. I agree. And it's like the Avengers movies we talked about in our past episodes. It's like they do have, like, not every Avengers movie is an action movie. There's different genres in you there. You mean and Marvel that's, movies. Yeah. That's what I said with different letters coming out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. No, you're uh, right. I mean, Winter Soldier is a political thriller. Yeah. I know. Um, Iron Man is like a like a techno thriller. Guardians of the Galaxy is like a pulp, like, science fiction movie, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I think needs to come to... I mean, Star Wars isn't going anywhere. No. We're going to get more and more of it, and I like the idea that... The, or the ideas that we pitch to give it, you know, different directions and different types and genres to fit into, and I think that'll really make it more of a accepted thing. And I read on the internet, because everything's true there, that young children aren't as into Star Wars as the four of us were, you know, when we were younger. And I don't know, I don't have any statistics to back that up, but it's just like... Well, there's so much more, there's so many more big, like, franchises for people yeah, to get they, into they, now. Yeah, there's a lot of competition, but I think... Having shows like this, like we pitched, could wrangle more people back into the crowd. I would love it if that was the case. Mike, final thoughts. I'll tell you one thing right now. I would love to sit down and flesh all of these out and create audio dramas based on all of them. I'm with you on that, Mike. I'm so with you on that. I think that's how I got recommended to you, Will, by Kate, was because I got into a really long discussion 
with some people on that Discord channel about developing Star Wars audio dramas, and I got really stoked at the idea and then really depressed at the same moment knowing if I was to try to do this, I would I would hit release, and I don't even think it would hit the airwaves before all of a sudden <laughs> Disney reps at my door with a cease and desist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these would... SWAT teams wearing Mickey ears. Yeah. Well, like... uh, you know, if if that's something that is uh, allowed by uh, Lucasfilm, then uh, I, I'd be happy to participate. Uh, you're talking yeah. to a writer right they... here, so that's my that's my passion. Yeah. Yeah. If you're looking for voice actors, I'm the best <laughs> voice actor that lives at my address. So. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> but no, like my... these, these were all like great ideas, and and just like you said, it 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 branched across all. I think the only genre we didn't. Of, of filmmaking that we didn't hit at all was horror, which is right. weird considering oh, that. There's room for that, too. Oh. That'll, be, my that'll be part two of Star Wars pitches. <laughs> Seriously, that'd be great. Uh, it, we should. Would you guys all want to do a part two uh, episode like this where we dive into uh, further Star Wars ideas? I mean... Absolutely. Yeah, I'd be, da- I'd be down to be on your show. Like, you started <laughs> talking about Marvel, and my brain was like about, like, you know, different genres of Marvel movies. And I was immediately co- thinking of jessica jones where it was like film noir and all that other stuff and it was like i can go on a tangent about that as well so okay you ever want me back for marvel i'm jumping on that bandwagon and dc all right we'll have to have you guys back again this has been so fun i'm a huge procrastinator for so for the follow-up god damn it i can't fucking talk (laughs) i am a huge procrastinator so for the follow-up episode i'm gonna need more than like seven minutes of prep time because that's all i came to this episode okay with. well you did okay yeah. with those seven minutes and remember like i said you uh you think on your feet yeah, yeah. that's uh that's a good one. i mean you gave us that whole uh pixar short idea with the little <laughs> the little joy yeah, i can still see it in my brain yeah, yeah. I, and then, then another thing i wrote down on my notepad was inception question underline mark. question mark question <laughs> yeah. mark oh, whatever God, that star means. wars inception we're screwed <laughs> So that this has been great, guys, and I definitely want to have you guys back on the show at some point. So we'll be in touch about that. So I want to. Um, so Clay, can you uh, plug your show and anything else uh, you want to tell the audience about? Uh, absolutely, twodadsreview.com. You can check out all of our reviews. We have a real great idea. We do TV movie reviews, and it's real original. And I think we're the only ones doing it right now. <laughs> so mm-hmm. We we cover everything. We've done Game of Thrones, American Horror Story. Star Trek Discovery. We're going to do Picard here, and we're currently, of course, doing Mandalorian because who's not? Because who's not? I don't recognize any of those words. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, what about you? So I have produced a Lovecraftian weird fiction horror audio drama called Boston Harbor Horror. Episode 12 actually drops at midnight tonight. There's 16 episodes in the first season. It will be taking a short and break. And we are recording this on December 14th. Oh, for, sorry uh, about that. <laughs> just letting everybody know since it drops tonight. Go ahead. Yep. Comes out on the 1st and 15th every month. Deals with a Coast Guardsman who finds an artifact during a rescue out in Boston Harbor. And his investigation into said artifact starts to open up all sorts of doors and windows into worlds and cults and, you know, other malfeasance going on around the North Shore of Massachusetts. It's a good word. Sounds very Lovecraftian. Yes. yes. That's a the very Lovecraftian word. That's great. And where can they find this podcast? How can they find it? Uh, pretty much anywhere podcasts are put out there for free. Uh, we're on Himalaya, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, okay. Radio Public. I, th- I don't think we're on CastBox yet. Podbean, uh, pretty much everywhere so that I can get it out there, with the exception of SoundCloud, because they have a... Do you have a uh, social media where they can follow you? 
So Twitter handle is at Boston HBR Horror, and then you can find us on Instagram at Boston Horror, and we also have a Facebook page that's also Boston Harbor Horror. Pretty much you punch in Boston Harbor Horror into Google, and it's going to give you it. We're going to be the first thing that pops up. So Excellent. Nice. And, and Clay, I forgot to ask, do you have social media where they could follow you and your show? Yeah, we're pretty much Two Dads Review everywhere you go. All the podcast places you can search for us will pop right up there. Fantastic. Well, I want to thank you guys again for being on the show. This was super fun, and I think we're going to have to do uh, some other episodes like this in the future the not too distant future and i want to thank everybody for listening if you have a a minute please go to apple Podcasts or your platform of choice and give us a five-star review and or rating and we really appreciate that that really helps out the show uh jess do you want to give uh, the folks at home our social media details i sure do and i would like to before i do that thank clay and mike again for joining us this was a lot of fun and uh i think we're gonna start a revolution in the future. <laughs> no problem, man. This was a blast. As far as where you can find uh, Mecha Dragon, we are on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Castbox, Stitcher, wherever you're going to find your favorite podcasts. We are on Facebook as Mecha Dragon, and on Twitter and Instagram at Mecha Dragon Show. And if you have any questions, comments, or if you want to pitch us a show for Star Wars in the future. Hit us up at mechadragonshow at gmail.com. And can't wait to talk to you in the future. We're probably going to talk about some more Wars in the Stars. <laughs> Peace out. All right, everybody. It's Captain Will signing out. Bye-bye. Peace. Our music is Overworld by Kevin McLeod from incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 3.0.